Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Dan Johnston from St. Croix Fly Rods in Wisconsin. He is the National Sales Manager. And we're going to learn all about St. Croix Fly Rods. We're going to learn about Dan. He's a fly casting instructor. I'm going to talk to him about that stuff. Um, he loves to fish. Not only fly, but also conventional. And we're going to see if we can get him on the phone right now. Hey, Dan. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for being on my podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. We're going to learn all about St. Croix rods and you as a fly casting instructor, which I want to talk to you about. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you know, how did we, uh, do you remember how we met? Let me see if you remember real quick. I do. We met at Pro Delta Day out there in California. Nice. I was invited to come out and speak to that. What did you think about that? It was awesome. You know, I mean, there's a lot of passion with California anglers. I'll give you that. I mean, right off the bat, that's my first takeaway. And I got to wet the, wet my line in the Delta, which was cool. Trying to catch a large mouth. That was uh, amazing. And it was a really, really uh, interactive event. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fishing knowledge, but to be honest with you, guy, and this is something I mentioned when I was speaking, Yeah, I don't know if I've ever in my life spoken to a group of people with more combined fishing knowledge in one room <laughs> in my life. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. I was so inspired by your presentation. You know, I came up to you right after immediately and told you how great it was and that sort of thing. But the thing that really makes me, uh, or gets me fired up is people that are as passionate as in to fishing as I am. And, uh, and you could obviously see that with you and, and how you were just super stoked to be there and, and, uh, talk about St. Croix flight rods and all that. So that fired me up and I loved it. You know, it's, it's amazing when you work what you love and then when you're surrounded by great people, and this whole industry is that way. And, it, you know, the common denominator and thread amongst the vast majority of, of us in this industry, we just love the outdoors. We appreciate it. We respect it. We love to participate in it. And uh, to be able to work in that arena has really been a blessing. How did you meet John Sherman? Well, we hired John on as a rep. Um, a few years ago and that John's obviously well renowned and, uh, we, we really hunted him down to be honest with oh, you. Did I mean, you. He's a, awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With, with, with no regrets. He's a, he's a, he's a better guy than he is a rep too. And he's a really good rep. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I, I mean that with all sincerity. He's, For sure. he, he really has a great connection with the angler. He's sincere. He's honest. He's super passionate, obviously highly skilled as an angler and, yeah. and uh, very professional to work with. So he's, he's just been wonderful. He was real instrumental in me getting my, my fly shop going, uh, him and, and the guy he worked with, Jamie Lyle, um, really helped me out when I was first starting out 20 years ago. And, uh, they, 
of course, continue to do that as well. Pretty cool. Um, I had some uh, cool things I wanted to ask you about uh, St. Croix. And one of the things that I didn't really understand when you were talking, or you know, I guess, you know, St. Croix doesn't have a real big uh, presence in the West. I know they're in some of the big chain stores and that sort of thing. And maybe you could talk about that as far as why, you know, they're not out here in the West as much as, you know, in the East and that sort of thing. Well, we're, you know, our home office is in Northern Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we have a heavy, heavy footprint in the Midwest, but we also have good exposure on the coasts and, you know, the, the Taylor area, we call it Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and, in, mm-hmm. you know, down in through Florida and so forth. But to your point, we have so much room to grow out west and in other areas because there's so many anglers. And uh, the fact we're a Midwest-based company, it's really resonating because we have total control over the manufacturing process. We're 75 years old and we're family-owned and we have a culture that really seems to connect. And guy, I saw that at Pro Delta Day and talking to some of you is a classic example and, and other, uh, you know, fly shop owners or guides are, they're so passionate about what they do. They, they have a, a sense of high sense of value for their, for their business and those they interact with. And we, we feel the same way. So about our brand and our, our people and our company. So we feel we have a lot of opportunity, but we're not even close to being, where yeah. we will be right now. Yeah. And can you talk about your factory and, you know, a lot of people don't know about it. You know, if, if you go online, you can see it. It's amazing. If you go to YouTube and you go to St. Croix's uh, YouTube page, you can see how they manufacture the rods and stuff. But would you mind talking about that a little bit? Absolutely. It's uh, it was chosen for the show, how it's made years ago. It's the largest United States rod manufacturing facility and in most people's eyes, the most technologically advanced at the same time. We're family owned, uh, 75 years old. There's 32 sets of hands that touch every St. Croix rod before they hit you as an angler. And we we invite people to come up for tours. We we actually take people through a tour uh, with appointment and walk you right through how a rod's built. And it's really fascinating. We have people that have been back there for 30 years doing what they do. It's incredible. I mean, I was just watching the videos just not too long ago, and just the whole process of what goes on is pretty incredible. They were talking about a proprietary material called advanced reinforced technology. And from what I gather, they they are trying to make rods that are lighter but stronger. Is that right? I think that's it in a nutshell. You know, ART, and you just uh, um, explained the acronym, it is really a uh, a secondary material. It's a higher strain carbon than we could ever use as a primary linear carbon fiber in a rod. You couldn't build a rod out of it on its own, but it's used not only for reinforcement in strategic areas, but it's also used for stiffness. So for yeah. example, we have, so we have certain series if we want a rod to load up the way we want it to load up, uh, but also protect tip it or whatever we want to do. We, we can strategically apply this in certain areas of the blank. Um, where we want it applied. And it's the same thing on the conventional side. You know, we have a, we have a, uh, a series right now that there was 25 models and every model has a different layup of a secondary carbon fiber. Yeah. Unbelievable. And for, for those listening, you've got to go check out the videos and 
see how uh, a rod is made not not just fly rods but um all rods and and how they actually put the uh the glass around what is the thing that's in the middle the um the, not the, dowel, the mandrel the mandrel uh-huh. and, and then they um they put it around that and they put it through a machine and it's just a really amazing uh technique that they use for sure and a lot of it's on machines too they're doing it specific right yeah, we have a computerized pattern cutting machine. We yeah. have blank rolling machines, and uh, we have, we use multiple steps of lasers. But there's still a lot of artesian and hand craftsmanship, and it's really a culmination of both. And, yeah. and a lot of the machines that we have specifically aren't things you can go buy at Home Depot. They're things that are yeah. tweaked and modified and built from ground zero, and and just a lot of different uh, things that we do to make uh, the best rod we can make. You know, when you believe in something, it makes it really easy to, to sell, doesn't it? A hundred percent. And we, and we, and we really do, you know, the guy we're, we're, we're far from perfect and we know that, but we strive to be because we, we have an exist statement is we, we exist to provide every angler the upper hand. That's it. And that rod is a tool to enhance the angler experience. And that's the way we look at it. Uh, we, we, we just want to do everything we possibly can to build the best possible rod because we know people's time is valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. when they finally hit that river, that's where they want to be. And that rod's the connection between them and the, what they're really going after. So it's, we, we hold it in high value. What makes a, you know, I mean, is, is it just because that you guys are, you, all the rods are made in the U S and that's, that's true, right? No, we have, we're made all in North America. We, okay. we have a, a facility in, uh, in uh, Mexico we call St. Croix South that's owned okay. and operated completely by us as well. And then our U.S. facility in Park Falls, Wisconsin is the largest in the country. Okay, very cool. I'm going to have to come out there one of these days and, and tie in some smallmouth fishing and go to the St. Croix. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea, man. You you hit the Mayfly hatch in June and you bring uh-huh. a you bring a six or seven weight. You'll 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 uh, you'll be in for a trip. Well, uh, John was telling me um, that that he went fishing pretty close to the the plant. There is that right? Well, we're surrounded with lakes. If you look at yeah. a map, it's just littered with them. And not only that, we have. Uh, uh, musky and smallmouth swimming around in our rivers. We've got yeah. the you know North Fork of the Flambeau running right through Park Falls. It's loaded with absolutely covered up with musky. People fly fish for those all the time here, and it's a yeah. I want to do that. It's 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 limitless on what you can target here. I want to do that really bad. That's awesome. So you've been a fly casting instructor for thirty years, and I saw you teaching some gal. I think at the Delta Days. Um, that really didn't know how to cast that well. And then by the end that she was done, you were done with her. She was casting pretty good, man. Yeah, she did a really good job. And I think (laughs) what we've, what, what we've tried to do guy is really narrow it down to a certain few basic starting fundamentals. And some of that's understanding the, 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 you know, the concept of the line pulling the fly versus the weighted, the weight pulling an unweighted line, like in conventional one, once people understand that and understand rod load, then it's a, you know, a few basic steps to get people from point, you know, point A to off to a pretty good start relatively quickly. And she was certainly one of them. How did you get into teaching fly casting? You know, it's a great question because I've been a competitive bass fisherman my whole life. And I took a guy well, I was practicing for a tournament when I was in my early twenties and I'm 55 now. 
And the guy said, I want to go practicing with you. And I said, great, but we can't hook them because I got a tournament and I don't want you, you know, we don't want to ping them all up. So he brought a fly rod and he was left-handed and he went in the back of my boat and he had a little fly. It was called a Dillig slider it had a deer haired round bullet head and he <laughs> greased that thing up and he took a seven weight. I didn't know what the heck a seven weight was. And he's pounding that thing along rip rap and just plunk, plunk, stop, plunk, plunk. And just, he had spotted bass eating that thing like no tomorrow. And I'm throwing a pop R rebel pop R ahead of him. And he had me down. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? We're not hooking these fish, but this is really cool. So I immediately went and picked one up and I was the worst Honestly, and I, I tell this to everybody I, I, I teach, I was the worst I would have ever taught if somebody would have worked with me because I was all about trying to think and all throw forward, throw forward. I had no understanding of a back cast. So yeah. I became passionate about learning how to do it. And I was, I surrounded myself with people that just did a, a wonderful job and at least getting me started. And then it was all just blocking and tackling and rolling up my sleeves and I'm going to figure this stuff out. And then within five years I was teaching it. <laughs> did, did you, did you work at a, like a fly shop ap, after a while or some kind of retail store or something? Yeah. I worked for a shop in Iowa that was big and fly still is to this day. Uh -huh. Um, and that's, that's where I, I cut my teeth. I did some guiding in Northeast Iowa and, and just fly fished really, to be honest with you, what was cool was I fly fished for everything. I did an article on catfish, on the mm -hmm. fly, we did, uh, you know, obviously largemouth bass, bluegill, crappie. Um, yeah. Obviously, your trout, the trout piece was the biggest piece. A lot of salmon, steelhead. But I found that it was such a diverse tool for so many different species that it really became a passion, not just on the trout side, but just, uh, you know, still water as well, for sure, for in, in our local lakes and reservoirs and things like that. Are you doing both conventional and fly fishing together? I mean, do you do both since you sell different, uh, conventional and fly rods. You must do both. 100%. If you yeah. look at my bass boat, there's probably 25 rods in there and there's not one fly rod. I'm fishing oh, yeah. competitively. Uh, -huh. uh, but, but then I love nothing more to get those fly rods off the deck. Cause Murphy's law, you know, that line's <laughs> going to go grab something. And yeah. if there's a couple of reel handles down there, it's going to get them no matter how good you are at piling line below your feet. But the point <laughs> is, it is, uh, it's, it's such a wonderful way to fish. There's a lot of times I'll put everything underneath the deck and I'll get out the fly rod and have as much or more fun with that. And, and even up here in Wisconsin for, you know, smallmouth or muskie or anything we're targeting, it is, it is just, a, just a world-class way to fish because our water's a little off color up here, kind of has mm -hmm. that tannin in it. So they mm -hmm. stay shallow the majority of the year, which obviously is the juice for fly fishing. Yeah. Do those smallmouth in your guys' rivers, do they migrate? Like when it gets cold, are they moving around or they, do they disappear? Well, they don't, well, yeah, they absolutely winter like any smallmouth yeah. in any body of water yeah. anywhere. You know, they're, they're getting now, granted, if you have a, any type of fishery where your water temperature stays consistent year round, that'd be an exception. But here yeah. they go to wintering holes. They don't want moving water as much. Uh -huh. They school up big time. Mm -hmm. They'll go to big, deep outside bends and you'll find them in piles. And I don't fish for them that much that time of year, but summertime they get in riffles start getting on insects and start chasing stuff around and uh -huh. so yeah they absolutely do and on our lakes too you know they'll set up on deep hard bottom substrates and then they'll get in weeds in the summer and mm -hmm. yeah they move around a lot we find that the same here on on my river in the, the lower kern river is uh full force when it's hot out you know so kind of in the spring and in the fall and then once the water temperature gets into that 
40 degree mark it's like where are they <laughs> you know they just kind of disappear and go into those deeper slots for sure very similar it sounds well they group up is the way yeah. a lot of people struggle with that it's funny i just helped a guy practice for a big bass tournament a few well about a month ago now up on the mississippi river and fish i had all spread out in sloughs two weeks prior um for another event i had up there and they were all over the place and then when i took him up there they were absolutely 100% gone. And we found them about <laughs> 600 yards away on one point. There was 50 of them uh -huh. and they were, they were wolf packed up. And I think a lot of people think they, you know, disappears a good word, but what they're doing is they're yeah. grouping up uh -huh. and they're starting to stage towards wintering areas. When you find them, it's unreal, but if you don't, you'll think they just completely jumped out of the river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's like void. It's like, oh my yeah. god, and that could be tough when you're yeah. guiding for sure. You're like, no, oh my boy. god, they're gone. Yeah, Ooh, more bust. What's yeah. your What's your favorite species to fish for? I don't know. I mean, I, I've been asked that. I've been asked that a lot. And, but, to be honest with you, I think the one of the coolest things I've ever done was tarpon on a fly rod. I just uh, just because of the sheer yeah. awesomeness of the power of that fish. You know, I've mm -hmm. done a the bone fishing thing's been really cool. But I, you know, uh, it's really cool to skip a caddis over a riffle and have something come up and smoke it behind a rock and mm -hmm. for trout and then skipping a bash jig under a dock and having mm -hmm. your line go slack. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, any, you know, ever since I was a little kid guy, I could go down to my dad's pond and put a night crawler out on a rod and have my line go out with a bell on it at night, drinking my first beer and, and catching a catfish. <laughs> yeah, right. It's been, it's been, it's been all in ever since on fishing. It's just being out there and, trying to figure it out regardless of the species for me. So that's yeah. a really, really tough question. You know, I, I'm the same way. I like it all. I like all the species. I love, you know, one of the interesting things about our area, you know, we're dealing, we deal with fires and, you know, high water and, you know, uncontrolled water and that sort of thing. And over the years, it's forced me to, to target other species, you know, and figure them out so I can make a living. And so I've really come to love carp. I've really come to love bass. Smallmouth in particular is my favorite. I just, I like it all. I just love it all. And, you know, I, of course, do trout and stuff on the, on my upper stream and that and whatnot. But I also love to do saltwater species. And you got a, you got a taste of that. I heard, you know, did you go with Vaughn Podmore and go out? No, oh, I haven't you? fished with him. Uh -huh. uh, did you go out and fish um, the saltwater on the West Coast at all? I have not yet, oh, but I'd, okay. all of my saltwater fly fishing's been, well, actually that's not true. I went one day on the beach for, uh, the little, uh, what do they call them? Those little surf perch. What do they call yeah, those surf perch. Um, surf perch. There you, there you go. And yeah. it's funny. I'm, I'm trying to steeple cast around people laying out and I'm like, man, <laughs> oh, yeah, this, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, this isn't going to end well, you know, but, but it, it was really, really awesome to try. Matter of fact, I finally figured out they'd ride that wave in. And then they kind of silt back out with it. And I, once mm -hmm. I figured that out, I had a couple of great shot line, totally lined. One of them was on me. I put it two foot mm -hmm. over his head and he busted. And then another one I had eat it and missed it, but we didn't yeah. have that much time, but it was, it was just a, you know, all I got to do is open that small little crack to the awesomeness that's saltwater West coast fishing. I mean, yeah. in going into those shops, I, I hear about the cobia thing and the yellowfin and all of just, yeah. and we could spend the whole hour just talking about Southern California on this oh, thing. I mean, sure. it's just amazing to me. 
Yeah, there's some, it's amazing fishery. I mean, just all around California is pretty, pretty impressive. You know, let's go back to um, when you were speaking at the, uh, the Delta days. You know, one of the things that you inspired me was, um, you know, uh, the experience, you know, uh, walking into, you know, a store and having that experience. And I wanted to ask you, and you have, it sounds like you have retail experience big time. I mean, what makes a good fishing store? The great fishing store creates an environment to which the angler feels part of. Yes. So when they come in and they feel as if they, he or she belongs to something, right? And, they, and they, the, yeah. the shop cares. They're well-trained. They know that angler knows, and I'll kind of go back to the point I made earlier, that time that that angler is looking forward to on the water has such a greater value than any rod, reel, line, Sims, dry coat, or anything they would ever buy. Mm -hmm. That time is so valuable that if that dealer can create an experience <laughs> yeah. and basically use those products as tools to get that angler there, that's the golden key. Because one, one, one con comment I did make out there was a lot of the fly, you know, fly shops or conventional shops, they're selling, generally speaking, at a high level, pretty much the same things. So yeah. why do people go to some more than others? Certainly some of it's proximity, yeah. certainly. But I would argue as bigger, bigger part of that is the feeling they have when they leave that shop. Mm -hmm. And that's why people go and hang out over lunch hour or they go read through the magazine rack, or it, it, there's there's an intangible with the great shops, and they create that environment and that unique experience, I call it, that is the golden key. That's funny you mentioned the, the lunch hour thing because I, I would have this local guy, this is a funny story, I'd have this local guy come into my shop every day, and he'd sit in the chair, and he'd chit-chat, and the fire would be going, you know, and it was just a, you know, he we'd be talking and talking and talking about this and talking about the fishing and whatever. And then one day he comes in and he's all, Hey guy, have you ever uh, tried that new uh, bass rod, bass fly rod? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have. And he's all, yeah, well I was, I was down South and I bought one at uh, such and such store. And I went over to the rack and I go, you know, I have one of them right here. Right. <laughs> You know, the guy is in my store every single day, but he went and bought from another fly shop. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing happens. Isn't yeah. that funny? It's like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm grateful that people hang out and stuff and, uh, you know, drink beer with us and whatnot. But, you know, going somewhere else and buying the rod was kind of funny. I've had, yeah, I, I've, yeah. Ha I've had other folks come in and, uh, buy or, or try on stuff you know waiters or whatnot and go buy it in other places too it's which is kind of interesting you've heard of that before oh absolutely and yeah. you've had people come buy things from you that they've looked at other places too i i, oh, and I know sure. that by me i know that by meeting you and the passion that you put towards <laughs> yeah. what you do is I, I know your listeners know that i yeah. just met you but i'm telling you you're covered up with it and people feel that and they want to be part of it oh for sure thank you for saying that this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So what, what makes a, what makes some shops successful and some not? Well, it's certainly regionality specific to product selections big, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, when you have people in your shop that really know the fishery and are willing to divulge enough, certainly we don't give our PO boxes away. I get that, yeah, but yeah. I, 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 you know, they give enough to make people successful. They genuinely care. And, and I would also say that, and this is something that I've gathered from, visiting, I can't even put a number on how many fly shops in 26 years of doing what I'm doing now, combined with all the fly shows I went to for a decade before that, um, (laughs) would, would, would be, um, that, and this is a really, really important thing. I, I think that the real successful ones create an environment where everyone is welcome. Okay. If the novice walks in, that novice doesn't feel completely intimidated. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't have staffs that are absolute rock stars on the water. That's not my point. I think that's Mm -hmm. great. I think you got to have them, especially in a great fly shop in a destination area or non-destination if people are buying to travel to a destination. But those people that are so adept and so good at what they do need to be able to come across to the expert, the seven, eight, nine level fly angler mm-hmm. equally as they do with the two, three, four, because that two, three, four has a lot more to spend if you think about it. And mm-hmm. they've got a lot farther to go in the, in the cycle of life as a fly angler. And I, mm-hmm. I think that there's some instances where you'll get feedback from people saying, man, I don't even want to go in there because they kind of look at me like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that's a dangerous thing. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, you asked me, you, you called on me. I don't know if you remember in the, uh, Absolutely. in the seminar <laughs> <laughs> and, and I asked you, why'd you pick me of all those people? <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky to be honest with you. <laughs> anyway, um, I, you know, that was one of the things that you, you had asked and, you know, I think that's a, it's super important. And one of the philosophies with my fly shop that has worked is to treat everybody that exactly what you said is you know, like with, as family, you know, walk in and, uh, and experience, you know, a a good time and that you're going to, you know, be shown where to go and 
what flies to use and all that kind of stuff. You want to hear something really funny, man? This is, uh, I, I started, um, I started my uh, podcast, you know, uh, well, it's been a year and a half now. And, uh, on one of the podcasts, it was really cool. I, I said, um, well, this guy came in to the shop and he brought a, a six pack of, uh, 805 and, uh, he started asking me, you know, like, you know, where he should go. And, and first thing he did was walked in the shop, put this, put the six pack on the, on the counter and said, hi, my name's such and such. Um, I just uh, came in to find out, you know, where to go and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm like, do you think that that guy like got exactly where to go, <laughs> what flies to use and, you know, got some special treatment? Well, the next, uh, the next week, um, you know, we must have gotten cases of beer <laughs> and filled up the shop refrigerator. It was awesome. <laughs> it was really funny. It was good stuff. But guy, I think that's what I'm talking about, about yeah. the unique experience that we yeah. create. It doesn't necessarily have to be helping somebody catch one yeah. or recommending the right fly. It could be that, but yeah. it could be the unique experience of connecting to somebody that loves some professional sports team and talking about that and spending the time to talk to that person because that person knows all of a sudden, you know what? If this guy or gal cares this much to talk to me about this, how much is he going to help me? when I go to actually buy something from him. Right. And I, yeah. I, I think when people, when people want to buy from you more than the actual thing they're buying, uh-huh. that's how you get, uh, you, you, you get universal loyalty and just, I'm not going to say unconditional support. You always yeah. have that person that goes and buys something after you've talked to him. I get that, yeah. but your chance of success and creating customer loyalty. And not only that, but you know, this, uh, the fly industry, just like the bass fishermen, just like the bow hunter there, they talk to each other and these experiences mm-hmm. spread mm-hmm. quickly across to a, a vast variety of anglers, whether that's your e-com channel or whether that's your brick and mortar channel, it's just the little efforts that you put in with those individual customers play dividends way beyond what most people understand. It's greater than that one sale that you're making. Yeah. There's this, uh, this guy came in with his son. Um, I don't know. must've been, you know, 20 years ago or something. He came into my shop with his little kid. The little kid must've been like five years old or something. And, and I do this a lot with little kids and I'll, I'll say, Hey, um, and I'll go grab a, one of, one of, the flies out of the bins and I'll say, Hey, um, this is a, a really special fly and you know, you could either fish it or you could put it in your hat and it'll, it's good luck. If you put it in your hat and it's going to be good luck if you fish it, but either way, you know, it's a really good fly and I give, give them that. Well, this kid, this has happened a couple of times. This kid comes in to the shop and said, Hey, when I was five years old, you gave me a fly and, uh, I just, you know, that, that kind of inspired me to get into fly fishing. I've been traveling all over the world now, man. I fly fish all over the place. And just from, you know, that just doing something like that inspired this little kid. I thought was just really, really cool. So I try to do that as much as possible, you know, get, get kids into it for sure. Another one. A case in in point, it's a case in point and it shows you the value of the little things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, I hope you don't mind me telling you these stories. These are, these are her fun stories. Oh, I love it. Yeah. This, <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> this guy, I was, uh, 
some friends of mine were um, have, at this campground, you know, and they're having some beers and stuff. And they said, come on over guy. And so I went over there and, and uh, I was having a couple beers there and I go, Hey, I'm going to go check out the river. And I went to the river and there's this dude um, fishing and he had, you know, uh, power bait, you know, and he was fishing with, with different color power baits. I could see all the jars right there. And I, I, uh, I said, how's the fishing, man? He's like, man, I haven't caught a damn thing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's going on, man? How are you fishing? And he's like, well, I've tried every color power bait there is. And, um, you know, at that time I knew that, uh, the fish were just going crazy for all of woolly buggers, you know? So I go, hold on for a second, man. And I went back to my truck and I grabbed a couple of all woolly buggers and I said, tie this on, you know, maybe put a little split shot on here, you know, to get it down with your conventional rod. And, uh, you know, kind of like a drug dealer says to a, a drug dealer, I, go, my, <laughs> I said, my name's Guy, I own the fly shop, man. If you catch anything, you know, come see me. And so he, uh, the next morning I pull up to the shop and he's standing on the porch He's all, man, I caught my limit. It was awesome, man. Tell me about this fly fishing. And, well, it turns out that this dude ended up becoming this monster fly fisherman. He was, you know, started teaching rod building and fly tying and fly casting. And he just became like this guy just obsessed with, with fly fishing. And I was just so, and to, to this day, still is out of control. <laughs> but, you know, just like a... a a little gesture like that inspired this guy to like go nuts on, on fishing, you know, and it was just so cool. It was really, really cool. And I just, uh, I, I always tell people, you know, if you can, you know, help, help, help folks out out there on the stream, you know, get them into it and it'll come back at you for sure. I, I could, I could listen to your, I could not only listen to your stuff for the rest of the podcast, but if we could buy, <laughs> if we could bottle that stuff up, Right. and sell it that's that's what and, and i i guarantee you there's a lot of listeners out there and there's a lot of you know if somebody is attached to a shop or works for a shop or goes mm -hmm. to a shop that's listening here they know people like that no question oh, and, and sure. I, I think that there's yeah I, I think that there's it's no magical potion that makes people successful specific to customer loyalty um mm -hmm. but the, the two stories you told right there are an absolute huge part of it because that guy could have gone anywhere. He could have sat down and hit click, ship, send <laughs> right. just as easily as he walked into your shop. But that, that initial engagement and that unique experience you created for him made him loyal. And I, I, again, I, it goes back to that. You asked me the question about what makes certain shops super successful. And I think the two stories you told mm -hmm. could have been the answer to that question. Oh, thanks man. Yeah, I just, I, you know, everybody, everybody told me when I was opening up a fly shop that I was going to lose my ass. And I just, you know, I had this mission that I wasn't going to lose my ass or, you know, not do well or whatever. And, and I think when you're passionate about whatever it is, whatever genre it is, I think if you're passionate ab about it, you're going to be successful you're going to, you're going to do it because that's all you think about. And you want to be successful. And that is what, that's the reason why I wanted to talk to you was I was like this guy, I need to know this dude because he is fired up about fishing and, and marketing and all that stuff. So that's the reason why I went up to you because 
you were so passionate about it. And I love being around people who are passionate about whatever it is, you know. You know, the toughest times in my life, and we all have them, I go to the water. Yes. Yeah. I don't go to the bar. Yes. Okay. And what, anytime I'm talking to young people, no, no matter what it is, find something that you absolutely love to do, assuming it's good, it's good and healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And just get covered up in it mm -hmm. because it, it becomes a lifestyle. You think about it when you're working, you think about it when you're not working your, your days, my, my days off. It's so funny. People all the time are like, man, you live and breathe fishing. <laughs> and uh, what, what do you do in your days off? I'm like, I'm going to get my boat wet. And they're like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, no, it's just a, it, it's out, it's out in the, the people you surround yourself with just get you more fired up. And it's the same, same thing to me about sitting in a tree stand. It's hard to explain the, mm -hmm. the, when you have passion so deep for whatever it is, you do want to get better. You want to know everything about it. Not only that, but you want to introduce people to it because you know what it's done for you, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So tell me about, the, if it's okay to talk about it, the, uh, the two 2023 St. Croix fly rods, are you allowed to talk about that yet? Well, not really. <laughs> no, I, I, what, okay. what I will, what I will tell you this and what I told you, yeah. what I told you at Pro Delta today, I mean, we've been in fly for, for a long time. We have, yeah. you know, series right now, um, Mojo Bass fly. We have uh, Mojo trout with Imperial, which has been a rock star. There's, you know, yeah close to 30 models with switch and salt in it. And it's been a staple and, but, and let me repeat, but put <laughs> your seatbelt on man, because we, really? we, we are, well, man, I mean, it, it's really cool to see where we're, especially where we're headed. I mean, I, I, it's an exciting time to be an angler and a St. Croix fan right now. If you're in the fly <laughs> side, I'm just telling you. And, and, and I hope people play this back a year from now, a year and a half from now, because <laughs> It's coming <laughs> and it's coming in a way that not, not that we're not doing it now, but it's coming in a way of a, not only product, but the emphasis and the, just the, there's just so much boiling right now that it's, I'm jumping out of my skin. I, 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 I wish I could have said more yeah. uh, out there to you at the pro Delta day. And I wish I could say more now, but yeah. I, I just, I just can't at this point, but what does the name cool? That's awesome. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I, when I was a kid, I had a St. Croix rod and that's all I fished with forever. And, um, and then, you know, I switched over or whatever, but I just haven't had one. I haven't had one in my hand since. So it'll be kind of interesting. You know, it's funny. It, it, it's really funny because we have, you know, Imperial is, um, like close to a 60 year old series and yeah, it's, it's had iterations and revamps and, so forth, but uh, we have a lot of people say, "Yeah, man, my grandpa had one of those, yeah, and it's a hand me down, and it's, I still use it to this day." And it, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, heritage with the brand for sure, without a doubt. But we're putting an engine in this sports car that's going to be really something, man. That's I mean, it's it's really exciting. That's good stuff. This might be a uh, a dumb question, but what is what is Saint Croix? What is that? Is that it? Is that an a river or what is it? Where does that come from? Or is that the name well, of the family? Well, it, it, it's just, no, it's not the name of the family, but it's just, a, it's just a name. It's, you know, mm -hmm. Saint, there is a St. Croix river, uh -huh. um, in Wisconsin. Uh, oh, okay. but we, we didn't name it after that. 
Okay. Um, no, it's just, it's just the name. It started, it's funny, the building I'm sitting in right now, our, our U.S. Park Falls facilities, for 72 of our 75 years, this building's been here. It actually started, the company started in a little town called Unity, Wisconsin, just down the road from us. Uh-huh. And then for, and three years later, they moved into this one and we've been here ever since. And we've, we've grown, uh, it's funny, you come up for a tour and I'll take you through a room and then we open a door and walk through the snow into another room and, <laughs> and, and uh, into handle assembly. And then you watch, it's like the millennium Falcon. It's just like all over the place, but it's, it's really, uh, really fascinating to see how the company's grown. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's all a huge thanks to the unbelievable loyal support and, and new anglers that we've had for decades. And it, 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 there's, I know any company would come out and say, well, we couldn't do it without you. I'm here to tell you, I sincerely mean we could not do it without you. I mean, it's, it's something that we're, again, we exist to provide the anger, the upper hand. A lot, a lot of times in product meetings, we'll be talking about margins and materials and supply chains and we'll stop ourselves and we'll say, how is this going to make the angler better? That's our focus. Yeah. And I think when you're laser focused on that, you put yourself in a better position to grow because you know that the final product is going to be something that's um, of high value to the angler. So uh, thank you so much for explaining all that. Um, I, I usually in my podcasts, with um, a musical question and so you know you can say i don't listen to anything or you know this is what i'm (laughs) listening to but i always like to i'm always interested to hear what people are listening to from wherever they are you know so have you been listening to any music that you really enjoy right now or uh you know it's so funny so funny you asked that you asked me what my favorite fist fish species was and I was all over the place. Yeah. I'm more so on this. Let me give you an example. Okay. When I was in high school, <laughs> I was an eighties, I was an eighties metalhead. I went no to way. Iron Maiden, oh, ACDC, awesome. except oh, Judas Priest. I was uh-huh. all in on that. No way. And then, oh, absolutely. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. And, and then I, and then I, I have a brother, my oldest brother is a professional guitar player and, and uh-huh. he got me into the great guitar players of uh-huh. the time. You know, this Frank Zappa and uh-huh. um, I could go on and on and just great, a lot of great guitar players that a lot of people aren't really familiar with the fact they're great guitar players. So I got into yeah. that and then, then I got into just good old, old classic country music. I listen to mm-hmm. a lot of that too. I mm-hmm. like a lot of the new, the new country artists right now. I listen to a lot of times when I'm fishing yeah. and I'm on the boat or I'm driving, especially in the South, like I've been down to Missouri or mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma or somewhere I'll put on country music and it kind of just makes me acclimate to where I'm at. <laughs> and I, you know, so I'm all over the place with music. I love it though. I'm not into rap. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. turn it on and I'll listen to it. Uh-huh. I just love music all the way around. That's awesome. Um, yeah, same here, man. I love it all too. I, I love so many different genres and we'll listen to all kinds of stuff, you know, that's interesting, man. It's a metal head huh? in the eighties. So you, oh, totally. So you said you're 55. <laughs> so did you, you must've graduated yeah. in 85. 85. Yeah. That's correct. Yep. 85 yep. and Def, the, the, the Def Leppard days, Pyromania. Oh Remember yeah. That? <laughs> well, so back, like, so where, where were you at when you were in high school in the eighties? Uh, right here in Iowa, a little town called Solon. Yeah. I had a little local lake down there and okay. just, uh, used to ride my bike to that thing with a rod and a mm-hmm. little bag of baits. And, you know, I never was, I've never really been into the live bait thing, Yeah, but I've always tried to 
fake them out, you know, whether that was, I used to, and another thing I used to do and still do this day is I just play with stuff and manipulate stuff. Like if I look at a bait on a rod rack or on a, on a display of lures, the first thing I'm thinking is what can I do to make this different, but effective, you know? So even when I was a little kid, you know, I would take a jitterbug and bend the mouth out a little bit. So it would pop a little bit different. You know, and I do that all the time on the fly side, you know, putting rattles in stuff and different sink rates and things that, you know, that, that you look at the way an insect angles. So you weight the back of it or yeah. just something stupid like that. And you playing with <laughs> stuff, which has always been into that. It's just fun. Awesome. What about, uh, did you ever listen into any, uh, any ska or reggae or in any punk or any of that stuff when it was in the eighties coming? It was that out there in Iowa? I've always thought reggae is so cool. I, yeah. I just, I just think it's so cool. You talk about a, just a chill sit back and just <laughs> worry about nothing moment. Uh-huh. You know, that, that's where I go on that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just that's love it. You know, and it, I, I'm not really into the jazz thing that much, but I, uh-huh. I love, uh, I love acoustic guitars. Uh, uh-huh. I love, but, but then, you know what? I can go right into James Taylor too. I think he's one of the greatest singers of all time in terms of a pure vocalist. I'm yeah. big into, big into great, great singers. Um, and then obviously the let your hair down, let it go, Judas Priest, rock and roll. I can do that just as yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right along with it. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much, man, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, it was amazing talking to you and sharing the passion with you. Guy, the biggest reward in this industry for me is meeting people and becoming friends. And I tell you, it was a, I connected with you the second you walked up to me and it's been a, it's been a blessing to meet you. And I appreciate you having me on this and thanks to all your listeners out there for supporting you and what you do. Thanks, man. I I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon, man. I hope to fish with you soon. All right, man. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you.